We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wider. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, as always here on the show. Sean, we can probably reveal the secret now, we <laughs> bulk recorded last week's shows uh, because I was on vacation for a week with my family, you got to go on a little vacation as well then over the weekend, so we did record those shows ahead of time, but we are back in, I guess we'll say a live week, but uh Really fun shows that we dropped over the last two to three weeks and getting a lot of positive feedback back on them as well. So good to see you after uh, not not speaking for kind of a week or so. Yeah, we, we took a an overtime break, but lots of action still going on. We had the 2022 MFL 10 of Death, a really fun best ball league that Pat Thorman started almost 10 years ago now. This was the MFL 10 of Death number nine Really appreciate Pat setting that up, keeping it going. It's a great group of drafters, and the winner gets to designate which charity the winnings go to. So lots of big positives from that. But Colin, one of the things that's a lot of fun about doing an expert draft is that you will see some interesting moves as the experts are not necessarily drafting this particular league as part of our portfolio. And the benefit that we get from that is that they're going to be more willing to sort of plant their flag on certain players, tell us who they really want, and select some guys who maybe aren't going to come back around, right? If you are sitting there at the 2-3 turn or the 4-5 turn, and the next player maybe is a full round lower in ADP, so you are going to have to reach by quite a bit, but you have them ranked as not only a good value now, but maybe a good value half a round or a full round previously. Then in this particular format, you're going to go ahead and make that selection. And so I like to see who the top minds are on. Sometimes in these cases, because of the influence that these drafters have, you will then see that player rise because you know that that expert is going to be giving you some good information on them they're going to have them ranked in such a way that it may impact adp down the line so in some cases you can actually get ahead of some adp moves but column i wrote a couple articles on this last week i'll have a third one out this week you and i are going to start from the beginning and sort of look at the early rounds who these picks were 
Now, my article looked at the best picks, my picks, and the most controversial picks, which again, I always point out the controversial doesn't mean bad. It just really means interesting, right? And so we'll probably hint at some of those things in today's show. We're not going to give all of those away. I'm going to get some of your picks for best pick and most controversial. We're going to go through and look at some of the selections here that stand out a little bit. And right off the bat, I was fortunate enough to have the third overall pick, which last season we were hoping to have some picks up in that top five, top six range, definitely in the one or two range. It turned out that the selections where Jonathan Taylor went off the board, those were the ones. So obviously when you and I with Blair had the 112 and were able to start with that Devontae Adams, Jonathan Taylor team, that worked out pretty nicely. It may turn out this season, even though right now it looks like we have a pretty clear top, say, five. And then the other seven picks in the first round are potentially not as valuable. And that's maybe a little bit less the case for drafters who are higher on some of these veteran running backs. But if you're not a veteran running back drafter, it really is sort of a top five. And then the rest, that'll make it interesting as we go through these first couple rounds. It will. And just to give a shout out to some of the guys in the in the league, it's obviously an experts league, like you mentioned a moment ago. We do have JJ Zacharyson, late round quarterback in there. We have Sean Siegel, obviously off the road of his overtime podcast and stealing bananas. We have Pat Thorman, who you mentioned. We have Mike Beers, who is such an influential part of the road of his tools and what we do with our best ball tools. And uh, Sigmund Bloom's in there, Evan Silva, Danny Carter, uh, Rich Rebar, Scott Barrett, who was on the podcast recently. Uh, Rummy's in there and then we have Mike Clay as well so a really packed house as we go in and you mentioned some of the picks will go through them but you'll see that some of these guys are maybe it's only slightly ahead of ADP but versus how how other people are drafting them very very interesting so we do start off you mentioned the top five there's really no surprises the, the order of these guys will shift but I think that it is a consensus at this point with Jonathan Taylor Christian McCaffrey Cooper Cup Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase usually it's chase and jefferson who maybe switch paths there but that's kind of the the top five across most drafts but then we have austin eckler at the 106 we have dalvin cook at the 107 then Devonte adams Derek henry travis kelsey joe mixon and Najee harris harris and mixon tending to go at the back end of that first round you mentioned kind of the veteran running backs we have eckler cook henry mixon and well, Harris coming into his second year, but a lot of veteran running backs in that range and players who we, we aren't really targeting at the moment. But when we look through those, Sean, obviously the, the top five guys, uh, we're happy to take any of those uh, in any order really across our drafts. Uh, it gets interesting after that point, though, and a lot of it is based on the, the question marks around some players, whether it's they've moved, whether it's they're coming back from injury, whether it's the age. So we have Devontae Adams obviously moving to the... Uh, I was about to say Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. We have Cook, a year older. We have Austin Eckler, who had you know a massive year for touchdowns last year. Derek Henry come back off the injury, so I do think that the pick there that's maybe controversial to most people, but I think it might not be the most controversial is Dalvin Cook going as the second running or sorry fourth running back, but second of that kind of second tier of guys over the likes of Derek Henry, who I think most people will be taking Henry ahead of him i think that might be the one that falls into the the most controversial but it's interesting that you touched on how adp can shift after these drafts we've seen it in years in the past and that dalvin cook selection is from the one the only evan silva so we have seen evan in the past when he drops some information or some thoughts 
you can see those ADPs start to shift and maneuver. So it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on Dalvin Cook over. He can't really go much higher, but over the next kind of two months, if it becomes consensus that he goes, you know, a couple of picks higher based off uh, of Evans talking him up, but a pretty standard first round overall for the players in the first twelve picks, but just the slightly variation of some of the orders in the the back half of that round. Is that kind of how you seen it there? Yeah, I had the the good fortune to select cup it's a lot of fun to go in now and use the range of outcomes tool dave cabin has that up and running for 2022 it looks at historical player matches to give you a range of outcomes and player projections for this season and five of the 13 closest matches for cup not surprisingly are from antonio brown 2014 15 16 17 18 those are the years that are going to be most similar in so many ways to what Cup did last season. And the interesting part of that is it wasn't just one blowout campaign, right? In 2015, Antonio Brown comes back. He has an average ADP of 4.5. So in the top five, and we know that when you're in the top five like that, it's very difficult to come back with these high win rates because the expectations are just so high for anybody who's drafted at that level. But Antonio Brown doesn't have any problems. 18% win rate scores over 350 points. The next year, he is the 101, which you would expect from those results. And unlike so many of the running backs, as we discussed at that level, he puts up a 14% win rate, goes over 300 points again, comes back the next season, falls to 3.5, and puts up another 300-point season and has a 20% win rate. And then the following year, he is the fifth overall player and his win late rate drops, even though he scores over 300 points. Again, that was kind of a crazy season because there were so many players who scored over 300 points that year. Right. And so we look at what Antonio Brown did. We're hoping for some of those, uh, a similar type of result from Cooper cup. You mentioned Mike beers. Not only was he so instrumental in everything that we do, in terms of best ball and the best ball tools, but he was the 2021 MFL 10 of death champion. Probably no surprise there. He goes with Jamar chase, chase a little bit more competition for targets than cup or Jefferson. And at the same time, I mean, there's a potential for him to go off and have the type of year that cup had last year. And so from that perspective, I think that, I mean, he's a viable option at the one Oh one. You have to love him. When you get the fifth pick, one of the things in the drafts that I've been looking at when I get the 106 is you know, you're just desperately hoping that as it goes along, someone will jump in there and take really anybody else, Eckler or Henry or Kelsey, push him down one spot to you. I've got a couple of those drafts. When that does happen, it's a real dream compared to having to take someone else. And Austin Eckler usually is that back at the 106 He's talked a lot about not wanting to have quite the same workload. They've added Isaiah Spiller. Blair Andrews put out a couple of great articles last week looking at the huge advantage that you get from extremely young rookies, both in their first seasons and then as they go forward. These guys who are playing their entire rookie seasons at the age of 21 have historically outperformed and outperformed even when you account for draft slot which is important because the guys who are really good coming out of college and are very young are drafted early, right? So part of it is simply that you're going to get those guys picked early in drafts. You know who they are, but 
there's also on top of that even more advantage so we're looking at him as a potential sleeper but then you mentioned dalvin cook and one of the things with cook is that his efficiency last year was very poor the vikings offense outside of the just theatrical explosive historic type of season from justin jefferson was bad and he was part of that he's now a little bit older the question really with him is how is he going to bounce back in an offense that should be more explosive he's probably going to get a little bit more receiving work we talk about his expected point profile and how when you're receiving ep is kind of in that five to six area it's pretty tough it puts so much pressure on you to have this really almost egregious rush workload in order just to get the total number of points that you need and then obviously you have to outperform that by scoring touchdowns that type of thing cook over the last two years does have the highest average expected point total on a per game basis among all of the running backs you can certainly see why a drafter would like cook at that price with that workload and the possibility of the vikings taking a step forward we're looking at a lot of different elements with cook with the age with i mean there's still a little bit of mystery in terms of you know is something going to happen and with off-field types of things i mean hopefully he hasn't done anything wrong and it will all work out and and not be the type of issue that we're currently seeing with deshaun watson that will kind of take place separately from football if he plays through the season and this offense takes a jump i mean he could be sort of the running back version of cooper cup in benefiting from this big leap offensively now with the rams it was the quarterback change with the vikings they're hoping that it is the coaching change cook already scores so many points that if you added a burst on there like we got from cup then you're looking at a very very big season we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving into round two, and I think it gets interesting here for a number of reasons. We have 201, Stefan Diggs. I think that's a fairly standard pick. And then we have Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews at the 209. Then Sean takes Debo Samuel at the 210. And then we have Mike Evans and Deontay Johnson. I think it's interesting because we've talked, Sean, a number of times about the running back position, zero RB, how things are playing out in this year's draft and how things will play out as the offseason progresses. And in this one, we, we've talked recently about DeAndre Swift. We've talked about Saquon Barkley. The listeners will have heard those shows over the last couple of weeks as you know, possibly being this year's Jonathan Taylor you have Aaron Jones who should see a lot more passing work 
in Green Bay without Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, obviously the question marks around what will happen. Will he be suspended? Won't he be suspended? And then you have Leonard Fournette, who's obviously in a, a super-powered offense down in Tampa Bay. But we see in this draft those running backs get moved to the, the front half of that second round, which then moves Debo Samuel, for example, down to you at the 210. I know you're too modest to do this in your articles, but I think the best pick of round two is that 210 selection of Debo Samuel. I think it's very, very interesting to get him at that spot. But I also think what we're going to see is potentially if we're having some of the industry leading minds taking running backs at the back end of the first round, early second round, I think we might start to see that move up. We've done drafts where we've talked about if you take a running back in round one, sometimes early in round one, at, at the back end of round two and early in round three, there's running back options there that are hard to pass up. And often those guys are DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley. So this could see ADP maybe start to mold into a slightly different direction as the offseason progresses. But I think that, again, a lot of the names in there, what you're going to expect, but there's some of those guys who are early second round guys that these guys are obviously have their flag planted and are, are moving forward to get those. And I'm always intrigued to see those sort of options like Danny Carter, who we, we love to have fun with our zero RB stuff and, you know, modified zero RB, but getting Saquon Barkley there. We talked about Saquon Barkley a number of times previously, but then went a bit deeper, as I mentioned in the last week or so. So interesting picks there all around. How did you see that second round go? Was there anything else that stood out to you from that perspective? Well, one of the interesting things, if you look in the underdog tools, for example, it really jumps out there because we're looking at the 2021 season exclusively, is that running back, running back as a start, especially if you then went away from running back for a long time, was very, very effective. Now, what actually happened was that round two was the round that gave us so many of these elite running back performances last season which has been a little bit unique it's not that round two hasn't had some good performances in the past we tend to find that anchor running back production from the middle of the first round so many of those guys in the 101 and the 102 have actually gotten hit by injuries that more or less wiped them out for the entire season and so the production at the very top hasn't been what we might expect and what i do think that we'll see going forward to have those guys going around too then meant that you could have this rb rb start it looks good on the surface it really does depend on having that running back firepower hit in round two now so then you look at the specific players going in fournette camara swift sanders and aaron jones and i think that you can make really good cases for those backs right leonard fournette has one of these run pass ep workloads where it's going to be hard for him to stay healthy and underperform that slot he would have to be very negative in efficiency and we know he's gone through seasons where he's done that and even when he's played with tom brady he doesn't tend to put up the type of season that we see from the stars but because he does have that flexibility and because he has such a great floor then he makes a good pick in that range It'll be interesting to see what happens with Rashad White because last season Fournette was really able to sideline his backups. They have someone who is more explosive now, probably a better fit for their offense, but that player is a rookie. And when you have Tom Brady and you're looking at this possibility and really the goal for everybody and the goal, you know, <laughs> ideally for all 32 teams is to win the Super Bowl. But you have teams that are all in on 
a very tiny window and you know they're going to pull out all the stops, including things that might be counterproductive for their long-term development in order to win this season. I think that element probably insulates Fournette, but he does have more competition. And when you look at his talent level, that makes him a little bit tricky there. Kamara, similar problems to Dalvin Cook and with an offense that we expect to be less explosive. You're talking about Alvin Kamara, right? So from that perspective, I don't think that you can ever criticize that pick in round two. Swift, someone who at this point really is going in the first third of the second round. I think he deserves to be there. Barkley, a player who still goes all over the place, but a little bit like what we've seen later with Travis Etienne, as the whispers and the reports continue to suggest that number one, he's going to be a little bit healthier, and number two, this offense is going to be run more competently, which includes a lot of passes to him. I think you have to get your exposure up now. I, I just don't really see it playing out to where he goes much later than the 201 202 203 when we get into late august the upside is just too extreme you know i hope that's not the case because when we are passing on some of these other wide receivers at the 2 3 turn you know you'd like to be able to add barkley there i don't think that that's going to be realistic the back i think who probably will fall is aaron jones i just don't see a path to taking him there when you need to have an injury for him to return value at that level, right? When you're looking at players and, and how you're going to create exposure to the best players in the NFL, one of the reasons that Aaron Jones is going to go right there is because he is one of the best players in the NFL. He's a smaller back that tends to knock him down in the past. I love the fact that we've sort of gotten past that with him to where drafters are no longer really concerned about his size. You know, he is explosive. He is, you know, sort of a poor man's version of, Jamal Charles and Jamal Charles, even if he had AJ Dillon as a running mate, you know, you would still pick at this level. So again, I can understand why it happens, but when we're looking at players like a Nick Chubb or more specifically, someone like a Kareem Hunt, for example, when you get that level of talent and the same scenario that you really need to have happen for an Aaron Jones to pay off, you actually get it at so many rounds discounted. I, I think that that one is tough for me. But when you look at it within the context of CeeDee Lamb, who's unproven, Tyreek Hill, who may be the number two wide receiver on his team, Mark Andrews, who may be going back into a run-first offense and has to hit on these huge efficiency games just to kind of get still in the range that he was in last year. And you mentioned my pick of Debo Samuel and said nice things about it. I like Debo. I think that it's very difficult to let a player with that talent. We've talked a little bit about what his profile was in the first half, what his profile was in the second half, what that means for 2022. But there are still some red flags. And you say, well, even if he drops off of that level, both in terms of some natural regression, then you have maybe some of these situations that come up, it, it's just so hard for Debo to not have the type of floor that you would still be okay with him there. But when I mean, you have IU in place, you have Kittle in place. And frankly, this offense could be an absolute train wreck for the receivers. And so all of those guys have red flags, which is why after Stefan Diggs, I think that it really is the wild west. And so if you're wanting to start 
with this running back heavy approach. And we did have three drafters start running back, running back in the second show of the week. We'll talk a little bit more structurally what some of the drafters did. But I, I like this, and I think that the second round played out about the way that it should. It's interesting to contrast this with some of the things we're seeing in underdog, where that's a half PPR format, but because of the two, three, and then one flex, there's a lot of emphasis on wide receivers. Obviously, in this format here, that's full PPR and two, three, and one flex. You should have a lot of emphasis on the receivers here as well, and yet... In some ways, I think that these ADPs actually make a little bit more sense. In round three, then, I think it, it comes on. Like, you know, if you look at the back end around two, when you go and get Debo, then it's Mike Evans and Deontay Johnson. I, I think it's clear to see that there's starting to be a, a tail off when we get to T. Higgins then. I think that's where the tear break usually happens. But in this, I think the tear break goes a little bit later obviously because i think the next wide receiver who should go after t higgins or possibly before t higgins i think is aj brown so we're going through the way they it did go 301 as t higgins and keenan allen sean takes kyle pitts atlanta tight end then we have aj brown javante williams nick chubb michael pittman jalen waddle terry mclaurin zeke Elliott, branton cooks and james connor so for me i think that you know I don't know about you, Sean. I think AJ Brown should still be going ahead of T. Higgins and Keenan Allen in this, and I think he probably should go ahead of Mike Evans and Deontay Johnson as well. So I think in this round, AJ Brown for me was the best pick of the round. That was Pat Thorman taking him at the 304. But I do think, again, players that you would expect to go in this round, but some of the, the order of them a little bit different. Um, I did a show a couple of weeks ago with Zachary Kruger talking about wide receivers not to draft this year at their current ADP. We talked about Michael Pittman. Evan Silva at the 307 takes Pittman here, which is even a little bit more than current ADP um, where he's going. But there is a lot of question marks in here with Terry McClure and his contract situation, his quarterback situation, with Brandon Cooks, who is a questionable quarterback situation, and that team may just not be very good. But you also then get into... Ezekiel Elliott, who may be, you know, primed for that dead zone running back spot this year. So, what are your thoughts on how round three played out? Anything standing out for you? And do you think I'm becoming a little, a little bit too aggressive on AJ Brown because he seems to be the guy that I'm, I'm getting him pretty much every draft at the moment. No, I like that selection of AJ Brown there. I think. The player I would put him ahead of would probably be Keenan Allen. It's interesting to be at the 2-3 turn. You have Deontay Johnson go ahead of Higgins, but because it's the 2-3 turn, it doesn't really matter for Ryan who he selects, what order he selects those guys in. I was chatting with Zachary, and, and he was saying that he felt like Higgins should be even higher because this Cincinnati offense, in part because they were a little bit more run-heavy than they probably should have been, but they were trying to protect Joe Burrow in that second season as the offense evolves as they start to get that production from Jamar Chase as they're dealing with some injuries to T Higgins and yet you look at what they accomplished overall and it's easy to see this as an emerging Peyton Manning-esque type of juggernaut where you're going to get Marvin Harrison Reggie Wayne type of production from those top two wide receivers and you know there's been a lot of focus on burrow for example and the fact that his path to really elite scoring is a little bit more difficult than some of the other 
top quarterbacks, we wouldn't expect them necessarily to be as pass heavy as the Buccaneers, for example, who have Tom Brady and you know Brady coming off of the season where he put up just ridiculous passing numbers. But, and this is one of the elements where I think, again, you have to kind of look back to talent and you have to look at where these guys are in their arc and how you would expect the individual players and the offense as a whole to evolve. When you look at where Higgins and Chase and Burrow are in their individual trajectories and you look at where this team went in the second half of last season, it's very difficult not to look at that and see the potential for them to now go on a run where they have all-time great seasons mixed in. Now that, we've seen this with Peyton Manning. We've seen it with Drew Brees. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't mean that every year the quarterback hits on this 5,000-yard passing season with a touchdown rate that's kind of hitting that top level. But it means that there'll be individual seasons within that sort of decade where you're going to have a touchdown rate that really gets up into these numbers that, yeah, I mean, over time and over the full 10 years are not sustainable. But it, when you draft those players, you get exposure to when those seasons do happen, both individually and then obviously, I can think, again, we're betting kind of on the team. And so I like to see that Higgins selection there. I think that Higgins is someone, again, where because he was injured at different points last year and because Jamar Chase is just so good, and because you're getting a little bit of a siphon from Tyler Boyd, you've got a guy who's going at the 2-3 turn where realistically he should probably be going at the 1-2 turn. And that's a pretty significant discount when you're talking about that early in a draft. It's a pretty significant discount when you talk about where he's going in contrast to C.D. Lamb, who frankly I think has more to prove. And you know, we look at the likely volume situations for those offenses but the cowboys have added plenty of players right if, if lamb is not actually a stud they're going to have guys to take those targets away now he's going to still end up with a good season and so when you're betting on that range of outcomes you say because a star huge numbers he doesn't it's still going to be fine this pick isn't going to kill me but when we're looking at picks in the second round it really needs to be guys that we think are going to go out and actually win it and that's still the case in the third round. And so the third round, I think, for me is one where, again, I you always have to be aware of and, and thankful for your good fortune. It was fortunate to draw the third overall pick. Not only does that mean that I get Cooper Cup, but it means I get the third pick in the third round. I think that's pretty meaningful because, for me, I like the pick of Pitts right there. I think that there is a chance that he... I mean, really, he doesn't have to even do that much to take the next step. The offense has to be decent. He's got to catch some touchdowns. It's very easy to see him in a situation where he will be a top six pick next year. And so when you're getting him in the third round, especially at a position where structurally it's so valuable to have that guy in there, then, again, I think you just have to be kind of grateful that the draft worked out that way. It's not that other drafters made mistakes there are a couple of guys i would take him ahead of but you're just kind of in the perfect position and then aj brown goes next and then i think you have this massive tear break because when you start to look at javante williams nick chubb and then the rest of those receivers it's just a very very different dynamic to the point where i actually think that i like the fourth round better than i like the last two thirds of the third round and again, that's not necessarily meant as criticism. Definitely the guys going in the third round have earlier ADPs than the guys going in the fourth. It's not like there were a bunch of reaches or anything like that. But I just do think the third round is difficult this season. And it's one of the reasons we've mentioned that 
we're considering occasionally drafting some backs in the dead zone. Also, you might be in one of these situations where you reach and build some unique lineups. Mike, Michael Doomer has a really cool best ball Bible that will be coming out in the near future, talking a little bit about that dynamic where you reach early in order to create some unique teams. I think especially this season where round three just is so bad that, you know, go ahead and take a fourth round pick there. Take another one, obviously, in the fourth. Then you've got a little bit of a different looking team. And I think at the end of the season, there's a very good chance that you'll actually have the better team and the better player. Round four, more upside, more excitement. We are going to leave that as a little bit of a teaser because Sean has the article up on the site. It goes through the opening five rounds. It will dive in. And Sean will give you his most controversial. They might be different to what I give you today in the best pick and give extra thoughts on his picks, obviously. Check that out up on rotoviz.com. Scott Fish of Scott Fishbowl fame, obviously, and of a lot of other fame. Of course, Fantasy Cares and all the great charity work he does. Obviously, Scott Fishbowl 12 is this year. So 12th iteration of it. We are going to have a lot of conversations. You'll see it on social media. You'll see it, obviously, on podcasts and different content over the next couple of months. But he has given us one entry to give away to one of our listeners so if you're interested in getting involved in that, there is a link in today's show notes to a tweet of mine. It will give you some steps on how to enter, free to enter, go over, enter, see who wins. That will run until the 25th of June. Then I will pull one w- random winner and they will obviously get their place in the Scott Fishbowl for this season. So get involved. If you know anyone who's interested, send them on the, the tweet, uh, let them get involved, and we'll see who makes it into the Scott Fishbowl. Last year, the person who made it into the Scott Fishbowl 11, I can't remember if he got to the final, but it was the very, very closing stages that he was still representing the Road of His Overtime podcast. And so hopefully this year, the winner can go uh, from this draw, perhaps. So get involved. That is in today's show notes. But Sean, we are getting ready to close things out. As always, if you're playing over at Underdog and you want to get involved, we're going to be talking a lot about Underdog. We might have some drafts coming out later this week. I did a draft up on the YouTube channel with Zachary Kruger and Josh Larkey. Live streamed it on Tuesday. You can check that out if you haven't seen it already. We're going to do some live streams from time to time. But over at Underdog Fantasy, if you use the code RotoViz, you'll get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100, they will match that first deposit for you with the code RotoViz. So check that out if you are playing over there this year. We'll have lots of FFPC content coming up as well. And of course, Sean, if people are wanting to read your article and aren't already subscribed or they want to extend their subscription, they're able to use that code RVRADIO2022 at checkout to get themselves 10% off a one-year RotoViz subscription. That is kind of going to close us out. You have already teased Thursday's show. We're going to talk a little bit about best ball structures and some of your work from the best ball workshop. So we will be back on Thursday to talk through that. Sean and Ben will be back on Wednesday with an episode of Stealing Bananas. So check that out once it goes live. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, Sean Siegel is my co-host. You can check out all his work up at rotoviz.com, including the piece we talked about on today's show. So until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Thank you.